You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. Gang's all here, ready to go on this Monday, hour one, as we always do every Monday. Best and worst of the weekend. Your chance to be part of the festivities. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Say good morning to our radio affiliates, of course, AM 570, KLAC, Portland, Oregon, 102.9 and 750 the game, and Milwaukee, the Big 920. Thank you for your support. They come to the Breeders' Cup from every corner of the globe, the best thoroughbreds from around the world, one goal in mind, the title of world champ. Visit breederscup.com slash 2021 for more information. Catch all the action. November 5th and 6th only on NBC Sports. Play of the day, stat of the day, poll question, all of that forthcoming. Sometimes sports history isn't pretty, and I'm not sure if Illinois' nine overtime win over Penn State was a classic or a disaster, but it certainly was fun to watch the ineptitude there. Time and time again, they failed to get into the end zone. They started off exchanging field goals, and then they, uh, the uh, traditional college overtime And then after that, they changed the rule this year. So dueling two-point conversions, presumably one of the games to end earlier, it had the opposite effect. Illinois eventually got the win. Illinois was a 24-point underdog. It was a one-sided battle, though. Illinois was the better team, outgaining the Nittany Lions 395 to 227, most of the damage on the ground. The Illini even turned to their backup quarterback in the middle of overtime, and still won the game. One of the stranger games I've ever seen, and I'm not sure I want to see it again, but it certainly was fun seeing something completely unique on Saturday. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be a good college football weekend. I did say that I thought Wake and Army was going to be the game of the weekend. I watched that. It was wild. Lived up to it. Wake Forest putting 70 on uh, West Point. It was, we're going to run the ball. Wake's going to throw the ball. And Wake had some big plays there. I watched Clemson against Pittsburgh, and what happened to the Clemson Tigers? Alabama, Tennessee, watch that. Uh, Tennessee was in it, and then uh, Alabama woke up and all of a sudden said, uh, we're a whole lot better than this team, and then they showed it. Uh, Michigan looked good. Cincinnati did not look good. That almost felt like a loss as they held on to beat Navy. But uh, college football, I watched uh, Oregon, UCLA, UCLA with a backup quarterback had a chance. That was certainly fun. Uh, Oklahoma and Kansas. I I watched a ton of college football, as you can tell, because I have to vote on the Heisman. So somebody has to win it this year. The question is, do we have a front runner? All the front runners to start the season, they've been benched for the most part. Spencer Rattler, DJU. You know, the guys we thought might be up there for the Heisman. That's why every year we start out, we're like, September Heisman candidate. You don't want to be a Heisman candidate in September. Even October. November, that's when you want to. And you're going to have somebody emerge here. But uh, a lot of college football over the weekend. Uh, Cincinnati, Oklahoma survive. Penn State, Oklahoma State fall. Alabama rolls. Saints and Seahawks coming up tonight as far as the NFL. The Titans smoking the Chiefs. Bengals, Bengals for real, question mark? Well, they certainly roughed up. They spanked the Ravens. Cardinals are still undefeated, and Tom Brady wants that MVP this year. 600 touchdown passes. Against the Bears? No, no, no. It felt like that. Felt like that. I like when... 
Justin Fields does well, it's because of Justin Fields. When Justin Fields doesn't do well, it's because of the coaches and the team. Can't have it both ways here. Although there was a moment in the game that Justin Fields was told that the Buccaneers have 12 players on the field. The first interception, he quick snapped the ball because they told him in the headset, hey, the Buccaneers have 12 players on the field. He thought it was a free play. That's the second week in a row that that's happened to him. You know, they want those coaches gone, but it feels like they do like him. But it's uh, Justin Fields is a rookie. He plays like a rookie. It's not a good team that he's on, which leads us to Patrick Mahomes. Oh, boy. Three weeks ago, or the start of the season, he first found a Hall of Famer. Everybody would want him. You start your team with him. And now... I don't know. Is he the second best, third best quarterback in the AFC West? Would you take Justin Herbert? Would you take Derek Carr? These are the things being said about Patrick Mahomes. Ryan Clark of the Mothership had something interesting. He said that he thinks Mahomes is overly confident, trying to do too many things, still trying to be Patrick Mahomes that we've seen before. And these defenses are doing what I said the Tennessee Titans were going to do and every defense should do. Make sure your safeties are really deep and have everything underneath and and frustrate them. Plus, take advantage of that defense that's terrible. And that's what the Titans did. It's not like Derrick Henry had a great game because when you see that score, you're like, man, Derrick Henry must have had 200 yards. No, no. They just played good football, all-around football. Offense, defense, uh, made plays when they needed to. And the Kansas City Chiefs did not. But if I said to you, are you all in on Patrick Mahomes? Are you still on the bandwagon or are you off? But if you're off, you're off for good. You know, we're going to leave the gate. But if you're still on, which you should be, Patrick Mahomes, they got the Giants coming up next week. But this is a tough schedule. I mean, if, if you're looking at the Kansas City Chiefs and all of a sudden, magically, they're going to return to Super Bowl form, well, just factor this in. They've got Green Bay, Las Vegas, and Dallas after the Giants. Then they have Denver. Then they have Vegas again. Then they have the Chargers, Steelers, Cincinnati. They got some tough games here. Now the question is, can you sneak in? Can you, can you sneak in with 10 wins? That's a team we know is dangerous. It's just like I've said about the Titans. The Titans are a dangerous team once they get to the playoffs, if they get to the playoffs. Didn't start out well this year, but they still have, I think, the nucleus for being a really good team. I, I flirted with taking them as my Super Bowl pick. Talked about it on the show. And I just, I couldn't quite pull the trigger because I didn't know Julio Jones, how he was going to be, and if the defense was going to be a Mike Vrabel defense. So far, you've beaten Buffalo and Kansas City. You've gotten people's attention. I don't know if people are still all in on them. I think they have the Colts coming up this next week. But what you saw with the Titans, the Titans are a good team. They hit Patrick Mahomes. They hit him nine times. I don't care how good you are. We can look at these quarterbacks down through the years. If you do not have an offensive line, and we thought this was an upgrade, you can be an average quarterback. Everybody, 
every quarterback in history, you're only as good as that offensive line. You start with that, and then you can make a wide receiver better. You can make a running back better. But if you don't have blocking, I don't care if it's Brady, if it's Breeze, if it's Mahomes, it doesn't matter. But when you do have that, then you can see a good quarterback is a great quarterback. A great quarterback is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, I think, needs to almost hit the reset button of what is it that we can take from a defense? Used to be Kansas City dictated, hey, we do what we want to do. Now it almost feels like you have to take what they're giving you, and you got to be patient. But beating the Giants, that's not going to calm any fears here because then you have three tough games after that. Yeah, McLovin. Can I make the case for Mahomes? Yeah, sure. Well, Mike Remmers is on the field as one of his tackles. Yeah. That's a guy who we always talk about. It's the worst. He always gets killed in the Super Bowl. I know. He's out there. Yeah. They traded their left tackles from Baltimore. You never trade with Baltimore. Baltimore is the best talent evaluation team in the league. Then they never <laughs> touched the ball. Tennessee held the ball for an eight-minute drive touchdown, eight-minute drive field goal, eight-minute drive. Mahomes was never on the field. You can't score when you're not on the field. But this is the philosophy to beat the Chiefs. Control the clock. Limit the number of times they get on the field. When they do get on the field, they're used to making things happen. Kelsey, Hill, Mahomes, Andy Reid. We make things happen. Well, then you don't make things happen. Then the next time you get on the field, you're like, now we really got to make something happen. Well, Patrick Mahomes is back to the gunslinger. This was the label when he came out of college. Oh, he's a gunslinger. This is why a lot of people weren't high on him. He's still a great quarterback. They still have great weapons. The offensive line is not an upgrade right now. And you saw that, what happened in the Super Bowl. You know, you thought you could address that. When you go against a good defensive front, they're going to put pressure on you, and they knocked him out of the game. But if you're not, if you're off the bandwagon, then you're completely off the bandwagon. But this is all week to week. Like Joe Burrow is now Joe Montana. Prior to this, people are like, yeah, Joe Burrow. I, I remember when he went into the draft. Well, I don't know, one year. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't uh, win the job at Ohio State. He was average uh, his previous year at LSU. Like all of these things happen. They're told. And then you go in and you smoke the Ravens. The Ravens last week, oh my God, Lamar Jackson's the MVP. Nobody's doing more with less. They just beat the Chargers. That's what happens. They sacked him five times. Who knew Cincinnati's front was that good? Because they kind of pieced it together, getting these players from other teams. Jamar Chase, spectacular. Joe Burrow not getting hit as much. That's really important. He was sacked once. But... Each week, you know, you, we have to have a, an opinion, a referendum, and, and that's the way it is until next week when something happens or doesn't happen, and then we'll change our opinions. Yes, McClellan. The uh, Chiefs, I think, play the Giants next week on Monday night. Is that even beating them? Is that enough to, like, quell the Patrick Mahomes worry? No. But you can't win by, by six. And, and go back to what I said at the beginning of the year with Kansas City. And, hey, look, Kansas City was my Super Bowl pick. Kansas City and Green Bay. Uh, we can't change it now. 
but they didn't win games by blowing people out. And I think you got the impression that, oh my gosh, this team, they, they dominate you. They can come back from anything. Well, they allow teams to stay in these games. It's rare when they beat somebody by double digits. But let's see what happens. Now is, you know, now is when Kansas City has to regroup to say, who are we? Because I don't think Kansas City knows who they are right now. And that's probably the biggest surprise. Kansas City not looking like a formidable team. But give credit. You know, Tennessee was the better team by far yesterday. At halftime, it was over. Cincinnati Bengals doing what they did. Now you're going to get the, are the Bengals the best team in the AFC North? Not yet. But I think it's a great story. And I think that tandem of Burrow and Chase is, you know, that's one of those where you go, that's in the embryonic stages, but that could be something very, very special. And they did all the things that you would want a team to do. You go into that place, which is a tough place to win, and you beat a good team. Now, did I think that it was a maybe felt like a trap game for them? They just beat the Chargers a little bit. But that's why the line, I think, was only six points. Because they thought Cincinnati Bengals could go toe-to-toe. All right. Uh, poll question, McLovin. What do you have? Okay. Uh, this is from Paul. I am most hesitant to say... The following team is a Super Bowl contender. Uh The Tennessee Titans, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Las Vegas Raiders, Arizona Cardinals, or Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I think some of these teams have uh, hesitancy, like historical hesitancy. Like the Bengals, it's hard to picture them in the Super Bowl if you didn't see them, you know, a thousand years ago. The Cardinals, as great as they are, it feels like one of those franchises that gets close and same with the Raiders. The Raiders are tough to buy into. They've been eight and three a few times in the past few years. Yeah, the Cardinals are undefeated. And a lot of this is who have you played and who are you going to play? You got to factor all of those things in. Because sometimes we'll look at a team, we'll go, have they played anybody? No, but they have a good record. Or somebody doesn't have a great record, but they've had a really tough schedule. That's interesting as well. I, I do like the Titans. I, I like them as a Super Bowl contender. The Bengals, I would say no. Feels like they're ahead of schedule. The Raiders. I, I would say the Cardinals because what we thought was a really great division, Seattle and San Francisco don't appear to be formidable right now. Rams with a win. They struggled, though, against the Lions. I think the Cowboys are legit. I really do. I think that offense, the offensive line, protecting Dak. Dak looks comfortable, and you've got a couple of defensive playmakers, and that's all you need in a really bad division where you shouldn't lose any of those games to those teams. It's going to come down to, you know, home field advantage. That's why Buccaneers are going to be really tough to beat. They got home field advantage. But Cowboys are going to have a great record. Maybe the Cardinals can continue this. Yeah, McLevin. Packers at Cardinals Thursday night. Yeah, I know. You know what you say about standalone games. Yeah, everybody's going to have a referendum on the Cardinals. If they win, oh, they're the team to beat. If they lose, and then all of a sudden, it's is Aaron Rodgers comfortable, wants to stay in Green Bay? All right, we'll take a break. Phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. We'll settle on a poll question, and... Uh, Anything else that we need to mention on this Monday, Pauling? Aren't you beat from this weekend? Yes, I am. I, I did at least 14 hours of college football on Saturday. I know you did the same. You were yeah. texting me every three minutes. Yes. The Wake Forest Army game, I'm like, huh. 
I'm so disappointed I didn't go to that game. I was like, God. We had penciled that one in mostly because of the foliage. I did. Yes. It was a foliage game. Yep. And then all of a sudden I'm watching and I'm like, damn, this is a good game. Yeah, Seaton. And why is watching 14 hours of college football on Saturday so exhausting? It's like, man, I am just whooped after all that. You get emotionally invested. You can't take a nap. You'll miss something. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Bill Shaken is a national baseball writer for the L.A. Times, and I saw the headline of his column, most recent column, Dodgers' failed World Series bid cost them money and trust. Now the bill comes due. And I liken this to Christmas time when you spend all that money on all those gifts, and then you get the credit card bill at the end of the month, and you're going, oh, my God. Bill Shaken joining us now. Bill, uh, would you say that's an apt uh, analogy of what's going on here with the Dodgers as they head into the offseason? I think pretty much with the exception of the coal that the Dodgers fans are going to find in their stocking this year because he <laughs> was ready for a back-to-back championship and the Dodgers, unfortunately for the fans, did not even get back to the World Series. If you were going to pinpoint one thing and say this is the reason why the Dodgers aren't playing in the World Series, what would you, what would you say? Well, if you look at a team that when we got to spring training, everybody said, what are you going to do with all these starting pitchers? There's eight starting pitchers here. And I know the cliche is you can never have enough pitching and everybody kind of rolls their eyes because everybody does that at cliches. But in this case, it turned out to be true because by the time the Dodgers got to the playoffs, they had three starting pitchers. And by the time they played the last game of the NLCS, They had two healthy starting pitchers, and some of that is health, of course. Some of it is, you know, Trevor Bauer's sexual assault investigation that's left him unavailable to the Dodgers for half the year, Uh, and some of it is just guys not developing. And as it turns out, what the Dodgers' ownership had done, and to their credit, was to say, look, we've won the division seven straight years in a row. We haven't won the World Series. We've prioritized our player development. We don't want to trade our elite prospects, but we have won the World Series. So they went out and got Mookie Betts, and under Andrew Friedman, the Dodgers had never paid anybody more than $100 million. By the time Mookie Betts is done with the Dodgers, they're in for close to $400 million. Yay, the Dodgers won the World Series last year. That worked out great. They saw a window again this year because of all the players on expiring contracts, Clayton Kershaw, Corey Seager, Kenley Jansen said, you know what, Um, let's try again. And Trevor Bauer was the guy they chose. It didn't work out, obviously. But now all the prospects that they traded, the ones that they used to say, we don't trade our top prospects, they're in Boston for the bets trade when uh, Bauer was sidelined because of the MLB and police investigations. The Dodgers went out and got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. And that was great, of course. It's another all-in move. But now Scherzer's a free agent, and the two top prospects the Dodgers had to give up to get Scherzer and Trey Turner, they're in Washington. They're not here. Dave Roberts getting any heat? When does a manager not get heat after you lose in the playoffs? And, you know, there are pitching decisions that, that don't go well. And certainly in the last game of the NLCS when 
you've got your top left-handed reliever warming up in the bullpen and Eddie Rosario and Freddie Freeman are set to bat for Atlanta, left-handed batters. Uh, maybe you want to go to that guy before, you know, Rosario can hit the game winning home run. Um, but in the grand scheme, the Dodger pitching in the playoffs had to do with how they juggled Max Scherzer and Julio Arias and Walker Buehler, given that those were the only healthy starting pitchers. And so the Dodgers played with openers. They played with bullpen games. They used Arias and Scherzer in relief. Those decisions backfired. And at least with the Dodgers, those decisions are not made at the Dave Roberts level. Those decisions are made at the collaborative level. And as Dave Roberts himself said during the playoffs, from the tippy top of the organization. <laughs> Albert Pujols done? That's hard because he has really said, look, guys, let me get to the end of the season and then I'll figure it out then. And he was not available the other night after the Dodgers lost their last game. Um, he's not an everyday player. There's no chance of that. He can hit left-handers okay. Um, you're probably using him as a platoon DH in a best-case scenario. So I think the first thing we have to figure is, is the National League going to have a DH next year? Because we don't know. The collective bargaining agreement hasn't come up. There's been a lot of talk that the universal DH will be implemented, but maybe not. You know, one of the other things that's come up is this idea of a double hook rule. Maybe everybody gets the DH, but you only get to use the DH as long as you're starting pitchers in the game because baseball wants starting pitchers to go in longer. You know, that could play a role as well. So I think it's just too soon to say, but if he can find a team that can maximize his skill set as the Dodgers did, which is basically uh, platoon DH, platoon first base, and left-handed, you know, attack vehicle off the bench, then, then he might have a shot. Did you mention that Corey Seager may get $300 million? I did, and I think he will, or at least that will be the asking price. Asking prices, as we all know, in free agency are not necessarily contract prices. But if you're the agent for Corey Seager, a fine gentleman by the name of Scott Boris, <laughs> and you see that Francisco Lindor signed for $340 million without even testing the market, and you think you've got – a premium shortstop and free agency, a guy who can play up the middle and still hit for power, uh, then I can't imagine you're going to start the bidding much less than $300 million. More impressive that the Astros got to the World Series or the Braves? I think the Braves. I mean, the Astros, for all their villainy and all their black status throughout the rest of America, still a, a damn good team. They were a, a damn good team when they cheated to win. They are now a damn good team when presumably they're not cheating to win. But if you looked at the Braves, they were sputtering around 500 most of the year. And I really give Alex Anthopoulos, their general manager and their ownership a lot of credit because it's pretty easy in this day and age to tell fans, you know what, this isn't our year, let's go get some prospects and we'll be better next year. And what the Braves did is say, you know, we lost Ronald Acuna Jr., maybe the best player in the National League. We lost an entire starting outfield. Let's go get some players. You know, the National League East was out there to be taken. And if you looked at playoff odds on the analytic websites, didn't look like a good thing for the Braves to do. But guys were out there to get if the Braves would just take on a little cash. And they did. And maybe it doesn't work most of the time, but it did now. And as a fan, that's what you want is to have some hope and faith. and. The Braves fans got some hope and faith this year, and as a result, they're back in the World Series for the first time 
since 1999. I usually hear from the Astros uh, because they got to the World Series and then I'll hear from the fans saying, you know, what are you going to say about the Astros now? And my point is always the same. You have the talent to get to the World Series, to win a World Series. Why would you jeopardize that pursuit, that route, by cheating a couple of years ago? And, you know, it, for some reason, it's like, hey, we proved that we didn't cheat somehow because we got to the World Series again. Yeah, I don't think this is some sort of absolution for 2017. And I'm sure if the Dodgers had beaten the Braves and this World Series was starting at Dodger Stadium tomorrow, I don't think the fans at Dodger Stadium would be holding up signs saying, we absolve you. <laughs> uh, it's still a sore spot for many people here in Los Angeles and I'm sure around the country and as the Astros themselves know from traveling the country for, for a lot of fans. But, you know, they're here and so we tip their caps to what they did this year. Bill, thank you. And uh, we appreciate your time. All right. Take care. That's uh, Bill Shaken, L.A. Times national baseball writer covering the Dodgers. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. We welcome back Carson Palmer for his uh, weekly visit. Carson, uh, I was listening to Ryan Clark, former defensive back on ESPN earlier this morning, and he said Patrick Mahomes is too cocky. Like he's still trying to – he doesn't take the easy stuff. He's still going for those big plays. Can you kind of reset your game plan or mindset as a quarterback, even somebody like Patrick Mahomes during the season? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that game was one of those games where you're on the sideline and before you know it, you're down 14 nothing, And then you have a three and out and you go back to the sideline, you're looking at the, the play sheets in the next series and it's 17 nothing, And you feel like that being down 17 nothing in the first quarter can sometimes feel like you're down 35 nothing, and you've got to make something happen fast. And that's not the way Kansas City's built. Kansas City is not built to get the ball out quick, take what the defense gives you. Kansas City is built play action, gimmicks, funky little screens, and take shots downfield. And um, unfortunately for Kansas City, Tennessee got in a situation where they could just sit back, they could play almost like a prevent-type defense, not let Tyreek Hill get over the top and take any big chunk plays, and they were going to force Patrick to take what the defense gives you. And that's just not how they're built, and that's not how he, he's built his career up to this point. He's taken shots. He hasn't been down 14, 17, nothing in the first half many times. So, um, you know, that that's just not the way he's wired right now, but absolutely he can hit a reset button. He'll go back. Andy will sit down. They'll watch film together. He'll say yay or nay on certain throws and certain decisions from last week, and he's got to continue to progress. At the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes is not a 35-year-old vet. He is still early on in his career and has a ton of growing to do. Yeah, I wonder about that, that it, it felt like just keep everything in front of you, contain, just, you know, almost force them to 
be more methodical and not go for those home run plays. And sometimes when you get it in your mind that Tyreek Hill wants to beat you deep, Travis Kelsey wants to have a big play, Mahomes wants to make the big play, and the more times they step on the field knowing they have to make something happen because that defense isn't any good, it just it ramps up the pressure. But I, how surprised are you people are jumping off the Chiefs bandwagon so quickly after seven games? I'm not surprised because the product isn't very good right now. And and at the end of the day, we all need to keep in mind that Tennessee Titans are the perfect team to play Kansas City. They can run the ball with Derrick Henry over and over and over again. They can keep Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and all those guys sitting on the sideline waiting for their, their next opportunity. So uh, I'm not off the bag- bandwagon. I don't think the season is over. I still think – they're going to compete for that division and find a way to get in the playoffs and they'll, they'll write the ship because they do have enough good players if they continue to stay healthy. But at the end of the day, I mean, I can't think of a, a more well-designed team to beat them than, than Tennessee. They play great defense. Their coach is a defensive minded, uh, really, really sharp. Uh, Mike Vrabel, really, really sharp defensive mind. So he understands what it means to get the quarterback off out of rhythm. And he understands what it, what it takes to slow down a Tyreek Hill and, and a Travis Kelsey. So that was the perfect storm. They, they, they jumped out to an early lead, uh, the Titans did, and that's the way you want to play Kansas City is you keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, and they did that, and that's why they blew him out. What's it like when you have a great receiver, let's say Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, like you get locked in, and everybody knows that you're, you're locked in, how do you try to tell the defense, I'm not always going to Jamar Chase or I'm not always going to Devontae Adams? Like, how do Rodgers and Burrow, and, and obviously different ages here, but to give that impression of, I, I, I'm going to spread the field even though we know this is your go-to guy? It's tough. I mean, it's tough on the quarterback's mentality. It's tough for that receiver because that receiver's used to getting the ball so often and can get kind of lackadaisical if we go through the first quarter, then the second quarter, and into the third quarter without any targets. Um, but, you know, I, I was watching the Arizona game, and that's exactly how uh, Kyler Murray plays with DeAndre Hopkins. As soon as things get off off timing and off schedule and he has to move around the pocket – it's almost like he exclusively looks for DeAndre Hopkins. He just has a certain comfort level. He knows that if he throws it his way and he misses a little bit, DeAndre will knock the ball down and not let it get picked. You know, those are comfort level things. When you're a quarterback and you're Joe Burrow and you feel like you got to feed Jamar Chase and get him the ball early and get him interested in the game and get, get the juices flowing for him, it's really difficult to not get zoned in and really force him the ball. You've got to take what the defense gives you. And kind of like what, what I alluded to earlier in Kansas City is Patrick is not used to just taking those easy chunk, those, those nice little easy completions where the ball comes out. They don't do a ton of quick game. They don't throw a bunch of hitches and a bunch of slants. They do a lot of motions, a lot of speed sweeps, a lot of play actions and throw the ball and attack you downfield. So when you get a quarterback out of his comfort level and and make Kyler Murray move around the pocket, avoid a couple guys, he's always naturally going to look for DeAndre. And until Patrick Mahomes really shows us that he's going to take what the defense gives him on every play, on every drive through four quarters, people are going to sit back. They're going to make him throw the ball into bad situations. They're going to make him take off and run. And we saw him do it a couple of times yesterday and he got loose with the ball, you know, ended up being a fumble and going the opposite direction. So 
there's a certain comfort level that a lot of these, especially young quarterbacks have with their go-to targets where when things get wild or things get off course, they're going to look for those Jamar Chases and DeAndre Hopkins. How do you keep everybody happy? Because every receiver thinks he's open. Every receiver thinks that he could be an all pro. There, there is no keeping everybody happy. Um, you know, when, when you watch, uh, again, back to Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray's got some vets around him. He's got an A.J. Green who's kind of been there, done that, Pro Bowls, 1,000-yard seasons, 10 touchdown seasons, and now he just wants to win. DeAndre Hopkins, prolific career, Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl, now he just wants to win. So when you have a young quarterback with two older, experienced vets that get it and don't need to touch the ball 10 times a game and make sure they get their 1,000-yard seasons, those guys just want to win. When you got Jamar Chase and some of the guys, that T. Higgins, that Joe Burrow's working with in Cincinnati, you know, those guys aren't old vets. Those guys are trying to establish themselves. Those guys want the ball. They can demand the ball. But I think at the end of the day, in, in Cincinnati particularly, Joe Burrow is a cemented veteran. He is a well-respected, well-trusted veteran on that team, even though he's a young guy. So he's, he's going to be able to control the expectations and control the want and the need for the ball for those outside players. How often would you call a play just to keep a player happy? It, it's more, it, it's not so much that, it's more, all right, I know the easy completion is throwing the quick out to the tight end, but I think I can get Chad Ochocinco on a big post here. Or I think I can throw Jamar Chase this deep comeback and hold the ball for a little bit longer. So, you know, at the end of the day, you got to go, and, and I keep saying it, you got to take what the defense is giving you. These defenses are too fast. They're too quick. There's too many playmakers on the outside at defensive back. You got to consistently take what the defense gives you. I uh, am on a town hall phone call, Zoom, with Tom Brady later today. And I get one question. Is there is there a question that you would like answered by Tom Brady? Um. There's not one question. There's a million questions. I mean, when I watch him play at 44, I, I don't get it. How does he practice on Wednesday? I think that's that's the question. Does he really practice on Wednesday? Are they fudging the injury report? Or at 44, after a Sunday game, 72 hours later, is he finishing a practice on Wednesday and Thursday? And what to what extent is he practicing on Wednesday, Thursday? Is he just out there with shoulder pads and a helmet and putting a mouthpiece in? Or is he literally going through bag work and jump rope and moving around the pocket and throwing the ball to receivers on Yeah, but he doesn't get hit on Sunday, Carson. He got hit once on Sunday by the Bears. That that one hit at 44 can take <laughs> it, it can take an entire week to wear that soreness off. I just want to know is he really doing it or are they fudging that injury report? 600 career touchdown passes. That's mind-boggling. It's, it's mind-boggling. There's no doubt about it. I mean, what he's doing at, you know, at the end of the day, there's a reason he plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He could have gone pretty much anywhere he wanted. He knew at 44, he needed to be able to throw a quick slant to Chris Godwin that can go to the house or throw, you know, a quick hitch to Mike Evans and he can break a tackle and go for 60. He needed that kind of playmaking ability and speed. Antonio Brown, the, the two running backs they have in the backfield with Leonard Fournette leading the way. I mean, he needed that kind of talent and that kind of ability around him because he you, you saw it in his last two or three years in, in, uh, in New England. I mean, Julian Edelman's a great player, but he's not a game-breaking player. He can't blow a game open. 
he's sitting on a, on a roster with two or three players that can absolutely blow a game open. We're talking to Carson Palmer, former NFL quarterback. Uh, did the Heisman Trophy show up? That's a good question. I ha- I have not seen it yet. But I tr- I mean, Fritz, is, is there anybody better on the Fritz, planet than Fritz? Is there anybody better? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. yeah, there's tons of no. people better than Fritzy. No. Let's see if you get it, Carson. Wait, why Why are you giving Fritzy credit? Because Fritzy's the man. He does all your dirty work. Really? He's on top of it. Are you oh, on top on of this? Game. Do you know when the the Carson's uh, Heisman shows up? If it hasn't arrived, it should be there any day. <laughs> no, thank you. That means he doesn't know a damn thing. <laughs> we have tra- we have ways to track the yeah, uh, very special item. Yeah. We're not going to make we're going to make sure it doesn't get lost. I right, just want to make sure because that that's a that's a bank vault that we put it in. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to put that in the Hall of Fame? So Fritzy, being the amazing oh, human being oh, that he is, yeah. sent it to the Hall of Fame because the Hall of Fame is on December 7th or December 11th. So when I get there and we have the, the ceremony, the, the Hall of Fame asked for some memorabilia, trophies, kind of different stuff from, from my career. And so they're going to set it up shop. Oh, they're okay. going to have a locker on display and the Heisman will be in there. Uh-huh. Well, it's all due, all due to Fritz. No, no. Well, let's make sure it gets there, though, Carson. Because if it doesn't, then there. it's on Fritzy, right? I trust Fritz. Yeah. Right. Tom Brady wouldn't trust Fritzy. And by the way, Fritzy is a Bronco fan. So can you really trust a Bronco fan? It's been a long season. I mean, they, they won three <laughs> games, and they might only win three games, unfortunately, Fritzy. Could you be the best quarterback on the Broncos roster if you uh, went there now? For like six plays. Okay. <laughs> Maybe five plays. I've got five plays and I'm out. Any issues with your undefeated Cardinals? Uh, injuries, obviously. When, when you look at that team and you look at some of the – I mean, they have one of the best defensive lines in the league. They're stout. They can stop the run. They got two edge rushers with – Marcus Golden, they got Chandler Jones. Um, I like the way they're built from top to bottom. If if they can stay healthy, I don't know anybody that can play with them. Now, if they lose a Chandler or they lose a DeAndre Hopkins, things could go south real quick. But the way that team is built, there are some stars at key positions. If they stay healthy, I don't know that anybody can beat them. That weather last night in San Francisco was it was brutal. Did you ever? Atrocious. But it, it, is it wind or rain that that's the worst? Wind, hundred percent. I'd rather play in snow, sleet, rain, uh, lightning. I'd rather take my take my chances. <laughs> I'm not probably not the tallest guy in the field, um, but wind changes everything. Because once you get inside these stadiums, there's always an entry point for where the wind comes in. There's very few stadiums built like the Rose Bowl where it's just a perfect bowl. Now there's ends that are open in one way or another. And when that wind comes in that stadium and it starts swirling, you can feel like at the 20-yard line when you take a snap, the wind's in your face. But if you're throwing a deep ball and the ball goes up over the 30 and past the 40-yard line, that wind direction totally changes in the stadium. So it can be a crapshoot, especially if you're on the road. When you're at home, you know a little bit more about different wind directions uh, in your own stadium. But when you're on the road, it's a crapshoot unless you know that stadium like Tom Brady does just about every stadium in the league. You know, it's it's one of those things that it can kill a game plan. You can have four or five deep shots you really like versus defense. But if it's a windy, weird day like that, 
it can take four or five deep shots out of the game plan because you just can't trust the wind and putting a lot of touch and putting air underneath the ball. What was the worst weather you ever played in? I played a game in Miami in 2016, 2017. And when we landed in Florida, we knew there was, there was a storm coming. And it was just one of those weird games. Every time we had the ball on offense, a downpour ensued. And I'm talking like, like, like a movie set rainstorm. You know, you watch a movie sometimes, you're like, There's, I've never seen it rain like that. And it's this real romantic you know, scene where these <laughs> two characters are about to kiss. And it's just like somebody's dumping a pitcher of just relentless water. It was one of those weird games. The storm system came in over, over uh, Planet Hollywood Stadium and just absolutely dumped. I think there was like six or 10 fumbles in the game. Nobody could hold on to the ball. It was one of those days. Uh, did you have any bets with Notre Dame friends with USC Notre Dame this past weekend? Uh, no, but I bet Notre Dame to cover and won. <laughs> I just figured they were going to blow them out, and yeah. I was right. Wow. So you bet against USC. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to now, now with all this online legal betting, when it comes to when it comes down to the money, you got to go with where you think you're going to win, not who you want. That's why you still have all your money. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to hold on to it and make some more. Uh, hey, great to talk to you. Are you being um, included in conversations uh, as a sounding board for who should be USC's next head coach? I've been talking to um, a bunch of folks and, and giving input here and there. And um, yeah, I've, I've been as, as, vol- as involved as they'll let me be. Okay. Do you want to, is, is James Franklin the front runner as I've reported? Uh, I, I think, I think there's a lot of front runners right now and that's why I like where we're sitting. You know, we, we had the first hot seat open up. You can't have a so lot that, of front runners, Carson. You can have a front I mean, runner. You've got Penn State, you've got Iowa State, you've got Cincinnati, you've got a wild card like uh, Mike Tomlin. That, that If Mike Tomlin wants out, and, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, there is not a direct, that's the guy everybody's pointing their fingers at. There's a, there, there's a lot of great options. Has, has Mike USC, Tomlin hypothetically been discussed? Uh I, I'm sure he has. I think I think anybody is a potential candidate right now. And that's what's so great about the job is it can lure an NFL guy in that's tired of their current situation and worried about, is Ben Roethl- Roethlisberger gone? Is he done? Who are we going to draft? Do I have, does Mike Tomlin have to start over with a first-round young rookie quarterback? Mm. You know, everybody's on the table being that that job is so big and so coveted. Um, you know, I think, I think there's a bunch of people that, that are in the discussion and once we get to week 16, 17 of the NFL season and the college football season is over, we'll have a direct front runner. Wow. Okay. That's pretty spicy with Mike Tomlin there. I like it. You is gave... that the first you've heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. I... I think it's the first a lot of people have probably heard about that. Okay. I think he's a great option. I, I, I no, played no, that's, hey, that, seven, that, eight, nine years. That'd be great. I mean, you get Mike Tomlin at USC. Okay, better job. And now take off your, your Trojan hat. Um, USC or LSU? Oh, I don't think it's even close. I, I think LSU's a great job, no doubt about it. But there's only one USC. There's only one school that has the tradition, the history, 
the first round draft picks, the all American uh, playing in the Coliseum, one of the most uh, nostalgic from the Olympics to Super Bowls, you name it um, in Los Angeles. I mean, I, I, I think it's the best job. I think it's also when you compare the Pac-12 to the SEC, there's no doubt there's no comparison from the talent level between each school in both of those conferences. But the easiest route to the national championship is not through the SEC. Yeah. The easiest route to win a national championship, which if you take that job at USC, the bar was set extremely high with Pete Carroll and his success. So you will only be judged on national championships at USC. And right now, there is a much easier route to playing in the national championship through the playoffs in the Pac-12 than there is in the SEC. He's a college football insider, Carson Palmer. You got it, you know, USC booster. We got to change your title. It's not former NFL quarterback Heisman Trophy winner. You're now an insider. I'm a man of many hats, Dan. Yes, you are. But you only have one on. Only one on today. Yeah. You'll see me in a new one next week. All right, buddy. Thank you, Carson. Great to talk to you. Thank you. That's Carson you Palmer. 